long as I'm not hurting other people, I can kind of, yeah, again, I can kind of just exist and be okay with that. I know that building up this framework now is going to be really helpful for the future, and I'm really excited to see what I'll be like. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 144. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Nikki. She is in her early 20s and very new to this all, but is super excited for everything in front of her. Yeah, she she talks about it later in the episode, but she basically says how she's standing at the edge, staring into the abyss, and and literally she has everything in front of her, and it's it is it's super exciting. She is incredibly emotionally intelligent, has yes. a high EQ, <laughs> and yeah, I mean it's a great conversation, and we're really excited to be able to put it out there. So thank you to her for reaching out, wanting to come on, and she was at the August meet and greet with her partner. Yes. And so before we jump into the show, we do have a quick few announcements, as we normally do. And the first one is our next virtual meet and greet. Finn just mentioned the last one. Our next one hey, is going to be... Hey, Nikki was at the last one with her boyfriend, <laughs> <laughs> The next one is going to be on September 19th. That's another Saturday. It's going to be at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, which is 7.30 p.m. Pacific. So hopefully us West Coasters more West Coasters will join. Yeah, if you haven't been to one of these before, we we would love to have you join us. They're super fun. They last about two hours, and we basically bring everybody together, ask some icebreaker questions, do breakout rooms. It's a sort of a speed meet and greet, speed dating, get to know awesome people kind of thing. I don't know. It's been a blast, and they've been growing every month. So we're hoping to probably have close to 40 people at this one, and we're really excited about it. So we hope you make it. If you want to sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the meet and greet tab at the top. It is $10, and it is open to anyone and everyone, not just Patreon members. Yes. Speaking of Patreon, we also have a few events coming up for our Patreon members. How about that setup, though? Yeah, good good. I segue. just, like, teed it up, really, <laughs> like a softball, and you just ran, ran with it. Right out of the park while we were mixing analogies. <laughs> I guess I, I hit it out of the park. Thank you. There you go. Yep. That's better. <laughs> uh, so our next women's group call for our Patreon members is September 16th. That's a Wednesday. And our next Q&A is going to be on September 30th. So if you want any details about what those are or joining to join those, they're amazing events and we have a really good turnout at each of those. So Go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Patreon button. Yeah, you won't be alone. There's over 100 other members. Woohoo! So thank you to all of you 100 awesome badasses who support the show and support each other, honestly, week in and week out at on the MeWe group, and then come to the virtual meet and greets to support each other. It's honestly one of the things we really look forward to every month. So yes. Thank you, you meant all. the Q&As. The Q&As. You said virtual meet and greets. Well, you know, sometimes they come to those too. <laughs> it's all and good. And they support us. They come and they, they're our emotional support animals. 
And last but not least, just going to glaze over what you said, uh, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Alt Playground. And they have been our sponsor for the last few months. They're a dating website for open-minded people. And non-monogamous people, more specifically. Sure. What kind of people, you wonder? Well, all kinds of people, I say. I know I'm all over it. So you could, when you sign up, you make your profile, you can choose from nine different gender identities, nine different relationship statuses, eight relationship types and 13 sexual orientations. They are constantly evolving and growing and launching new features. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty great place to be. It's a great place to build community, find other open-minded, non-monogamous, and frankly, pretty cool people. Yes. So if you're interested in joining, you can head over to their website directly, altplayground.net, and sign up. Or, or our or, website. Or, that was synced up. Again. <laughs> or, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, in case we haven't said it enough, uh, sign up there. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you sign up. The result is the same. And we just appreciate the support uh, for us and for them. Yes. Thank you. With that... We just want to say one final thing, which is head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the contact us button. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We do honestly love hearing from everybody. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know how you're doing. Hopefully you're holding up well during the COVID here. You can also send us a voicemail. Yeah, those are the best. We send them back. They're just like this rambly (laughs) nonsense. So if you want one of those, you got to send one to us. It's a tit for tat. Yes. Quid pro quo. Yep. Also on our website, under the podcast tab, you find show notes for every single episode. There's pictures of our guests and links that are mentioned in each episode. So if you haven't checked out the show notes, there's a wealth of information there. You should definitely go check it out. And with that, let's go talk to Nikki. Let's go. Well, welcome, Nikki. We're super excited to have you here today. Uh, you reached out to us actually fairly recently, and we kind of did a quick turnaround, invited you on this show, and we're super excited to hear your story. Yes. I think one of the things that we were super excited about was you're maybe slightly younger than our normal guest age. You're only seven. No, I'm just kidding. No, you're <laughs> totally joking. But you, you do bring a little bit of diversity that we haven't had as much of. So we're really excited about that. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Well, we don't know much about you and presumably not many of the listeners do. Yeah. Do you mind telling everybody who, who is Nikki? <laughs> sure. Um, so I wrote, I hope you all know, I wrote notes. So yeah, I know perfect. what to say. <laughs> um, but I, so I'm Nikki. I am from San Francisco. Um, but I'm currently in college in Southern California. I'm a rising senior, so I'll be graduating soon. Hopefully not over Zoom, but at this point, I don't know anymore. Um, And I am pursuing a self-designed major in education and community engagement with a minor in Asian American studies. And then in terms of my I guess like relationally, I've lived my life in monogamous relationships and I also grew up in a monogamous like family um, and my community is monogamous. And, and what I think is interesting too is I, I did not realize how present the non-monogamous community was in San Francisco until I joined it. <laughs> um, but apparently there's a very big presence here. Well, and so you, your models growing up were all monogamy what sparked your interest in non-monogamy? So I, earlier 
this year, actually, yeah, early this year, I had ended a three-year monogamous relationship. And there's a lot to unpack there, which I will mention a little later. But I started dating around again and had met someone who... I've never met someone who I see and absolutely just swoon over. That's not the kind of person I am. But it happened with this person. And we also had a lot in common just on a very surface level. And for context, we were using um, a dating app. And I we started talking and their profile had indicated that they were polyamorous. And I think going, like, I had, I was, I went in with the intention of dating around very casually, but not wanting to commit myself to a romantic relationship that were, which I, assuming that it would be a monogamous relationship. And I wanted to work on myself, like, and work more internally. And so I definitely wanted to be in flirtationships or do things that were, I thought were fun, but not actually be serious. And so being in, kind of just getting to know this person who's polyamorous, I had learned a lot about polyamory. And at the time, it was still something that I thought, like, that was, it's really cool. And I really admire this person. His name is Connor. I really admire Connor for doing what's best for him. And, but I never saw myself putting, like, never putting in myself in that position. But as we started talking more, I had really begun to understand and realize that he brought out a certain softness and safety in me that I had never experienced before with anyone. And through that connection, I realized that perhaps, like, first, perhaps I do actually want to pursue a romantic relationship with this person. And then second of all, I started to understand like the implications of that, of wanting to, to be in a romantic relationship with someone who is not monogamous. So it definitely was a two-part situation, but was still very exciting. And so as I had gotten to know him better and we started casually dating, um, I learned again more about his polyam or his experience of polyamory and that he, and he also mentioned this like very upfront too, that he is, he has a couple partners. He lives with his primary partner. And he also wanted to make sure that that was something that was okay with me in terms of me being comfortable pre- being previously monogamous or being monog- at the time monogamous in a, a non-monogamous relationship. And so definitely through those conversations and then through just getting to know him and experiencing things with him, I definitely started to better understand my role in a non-monogamous relationship, um, but also started to see what like how beneficial it actually really like it really is for me at this time especially in terms of what I mentioned earlier about wanting to like, improve myself and work more towards the things that I had noticed were unhealthy habits and unhealthy practices that I had done previously in my long-term monogamous relationship I had realized that at least for me I found that non-monogamy has really I don't know forced is the right word to use but I've definitely had to reflect and and uncover a lot of my own insecurities and really tap into myself that it actually has served like non-monogamy has served as a really wonderful tool to help and address the issues that I initially wanted to work on and was afraid of getting into a relationship around yeah 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 that's a wonderful way to say it because it does it, it does force you to to look at yourself and and actually confront some maybe even some of your fears yeah, definitely. And I, I identify as someone who runs very anxious. And I also, I find a certain sense, like a certain affinity with like empaths and HSPs. And that's something that I've definitely learned more about myself recently in terms of feeling things very deeply. 
But with that, I've also noticed like tendencies of perfectionism and people pleasing. And when I started to better understand the insecurities that I had and things that I wanted to confront through this relationship, that it also brought out, a lot. I think I definitely learned more about those behaviors or those tendencies that I have and in the ways that it's very, like detrimental to me and my partner or to people around me um, in the ways that I could definitely try to use that, use tools to help like mitigate those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind explaining a little bit what you mentioned empath and HSP a little bit, mm-hmm. like what that really means and then how maybe non-monogamy has helped you in that, like mm-hmm. identifying those and working through that. Mm-hmm. So I learned about empaths and HSPs most like in depth through a podcast called Emotional Badass. And in that podcast, the host talks a lot about, actually it's, she identifies as an empath and an HSP, but she, the way, the way that I try, I don't want to put words in her mouth and are, are not, or accidentally defined in a way that she doesn't resonate with. But I guess the way that I've synthesized it is that empaths and, and highly sensitive people are folks who think a lot and think very deeply about things, especially about other people and themselves. I've always found, I guess like within the term, like the context of my own life, I found that I care very deeply about like social issues. And that's something that I always knew about myself, but through the context of like empath or being an empath and an HSP, I think I better understand it both in terms of wanting to make help make the world a less shitty place, but also relationally and building relationships to help people and in terms of non-monogamy I think I don't think I really understood how big of a role my personality or my temperament really played into like my journey with non-monogamy as I look at my notes (laughs) I I think something that I found is that something that I noticed really early on was when I first started seeing Connor romantically and I had at that point had already known or it was already established that he was living with one of his partners and that they had been together for a few years that I I didn't really know I didn't have a name for it and perhaps this isn't like the best term to use for it, but at least what I felt was compersion I definitely at that time felt even though I didn't really know these people that well <laughs> that there was that I could feel the love and the the sense of security and affinity that Connor has for his partner. And I also think that in terms of having difficult conversations, in, like it's in general, but especially with Connor, I found that being an empath and being someone who thinks very deeply and thinks a lot, <laughs> that it has helped. Like I have, feel like I have a lot of thoughts going all the time about different things and non-monogamy by nature, or at least through my experience with non-monogamy, has helped or kind of really pushed me to have more honest communication with people. And so it's really, it's been really cool being able to share authentically what I feel and share all of the things that are going on in my head, obviously with boundaries, but it's very, um, it feels very affirming to, to, to be able to do that. And it definitely has been really wonderful being able to feel like my, I guess, like my empathetic tendencies, I guess, are valued and heard and are wanted because of our, like, 
clearly established value in, in communication. Right. Right. Well, and, and something that you, and th- well, thank you for sharing by the way. Um, but something you shared and for the listeners, we had some technical difficulties and I can't remember if you said this during one of those times where we were having technical <laughs> difficulties or not. So that you, you had had some exposure to non-monogamy before mm-hmm. this where partners would bring it up and it scared you or concerned you from a, not a, you didn't necessarily say jealous, but from a, like to you that signified that you weren't enough. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe can you talk a little bit about mm-hmm. the, the way that non-monogamy came up before meeting Connor and mm-hmm how you were able to make the shift when you met Connor to not have those same concerns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's actually the more that I reflect on my experience or kind of my journey in non-monogamy and also my experiences um, in previous relationships, the more I feel like it makes everything just makes sense now (laughs) to me. Well, so there are a couple things, but in terms of people like past partners bringing up the possibility of non-monogamy and not feeling enough, I think it also came from a place of worrying. Actually, well, in the end, it ended up being that they were they wanted to cheat, but wanted to do it in an ethical way through <laughs> non-monogamy. But yeah, it definitely came from a place, or at least what I, my reaction would be this fear of losing my partner, but also in like deep down feeling like I'm not enough. And that definitely rang true in a lot of my past relationships, even with this one sometimes, but I've gotten a lot better at addressing and naming my feelings and then doing something about it. But I think one of the, it's like one of the best examples that, that helps me kind of best illustrate for myself, my feelings of not, of not being enough or wanting to do everything, but also nothing at the same time was in one of like the, the long-term relationship, monogamous, the relationship that I had been in before Connor, it was, it didn't start out as a codependent relationship, but through, unfortunately, through like substance abuse on behalf of my partner and, or past former partner and through, I think this was like fundamentally we're not that compatible. And with that also did not come great communication and on both sides is unwillingness to be vulnerable that our relationship became one where I felt that I had to be everything, the caretaker for my partner who was experiencing like substance abuse and the therapist and the sexy time girlfriend or whatever. And at the same time also be a student and have take care of my own emotional well-being, be a dog mom. <laughs> and so there were multiple things. And I, and at the time I didn't recognize that I didn't have to be everything I expect myself to be all those things because it's not realistic. And so now having being in a non-monogamous relationship and really being confronted with the fact that my partner has other partners that, that I, I learned and internalized that they feel different components of his life because he like myself and made up of different parts and different components of our identity that even though it definitely has been really hard to, to internalize that and internalize the fact that I don't need to be everything um, but pretend like I'm nothing at the same time to feel to normalize trying to be a perfectionist or trying to per, like normalize my perfectionist tendencies but I kind of forgot where I was going with that. But, but I definitely have been 
I, yeah, Nam Rami has definitely helped me better understand that internally, like for myself, that I only need to be what I think is good enough or what I know is good enough for myself and that that is enough and my partner values that in me also. Right, yeah. right. No, I think that's huge. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that too, because it's it's not easy to necessarily reflect on all of that and and, and confront that in yourself and, and acknowledge it. Yeah. So have you at this point started exploring with other partners as well? Or is it, too, is yeah. it Connor is non-monogamous? And that, not that you're not non-monogamous just because you don't have other partners. I don't think that's how... It works, works. but (laughs) have you started exploring with other partners and the possibility of other partners outside of Connor as well and seeing it from the perspective of you having that, not Mm -hmm. just being with somebody who's having that? Mm -hmm. I feel like if we were in the circumstances that we are currently in in terms of COVID, um, I think my answer would be a little different or I would probably be much more active or I, I think I would definitely be much more active in trying wanting to seek relation more like more relations with people or relations with people who I could <laughs> meet in person. But I have been able to have how do I put this? I I have like I definitely have seen other people like other people in like other than Connor in like through hookups and stuff like that, but I don't feel actually I don't really feel compelled to actively search for other like more like romantic connections at the moment and perhaps that will change well I know it definitely will change at some point but I I think that part of it for me definitely is that I feel I know this is going to gas Connor up a lot but I think I I I know I, I I I know very deeply how big of a role he plays in my life and how much he needs to me and I don't know if other people can reach that level and I don't think that's really fair for me to expect other people to be that say at that same like to meet me at that same level like, I know that's not realistic and so it's definitely something like when I do feel like I'm more ready to perhaps build connections that are more intimate or more vulnerable that I would like to at least internalize that people again people fulfill different aspects of my life and not everyone will be will bring out that same soft softness that Connor brings. But another thing too, is that I, as I mentioned, I'm still a student and in college and I am pretty active on camp on campus online, even though we're not like it's the summer and I'm on our like student government and there are things and committees that I'm part of that have been meeting throughout the summer and have been doing a lot of like really meaningful work, but definitely exhausting work. And I've definitely realized that, I am through this non-monogamous relationship and knowing that I reminding myself that I don't have to be everything. I've been able to spend really valuable time doing work that I really care about. And I think it might've been Marla Renee Stewart in your, in one of the episodes who mentioned that she feels like she's dating her work almost. Or I, I'm pretty sure she said something like that. And I definitely, like when I heard that, I resonated with that a lot. And yeah, so I def, it, it definitely has been like, I, I definitely don't, know if and when I'll be ready for like other like connect at the same at least at like that same level if it'll ever get there I'm not sure and I don't want to close that possibility but I definitely have really just been allowing myself to really engage in the the work that I am really passionate about 
while also if I feel like seeing other people of providing myself the space and like the permission to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's, it's not a goal. Like you don't, you don't feel like, well, he's got another partner. I have to go and also get another partner. So we're matched. Even. <laughs> so we're even right. But at the same time, you said you've had some more casual hookup type encounters and you have that freedom, right? If, if you want to, you can do that without feeling guilty or without, worrying it's it's an option that you have that freedom so right right but something and definitely something too that i have reflected on a lot is that when if and like when i do hook up with people i really try to assess to make sure that it's kind of like an authentic place of me wanting to be in like actively in this situation and not in it not being a place of trying to level up with connor in any way which it definitely that has happened a couple times or like one or two times where I tried to convince myself that this is what I really wanted and, and I, whatever. And, and while that still is true, I think there also is a component of wanting to feel like I'm, perfor- I guess, performing non-monogamy and polyamory in a way that I felt was expected. So I definitely do, well, I do, I do give myself that freedom. I also definitely acknowledge that there are times where I need to reassess the relationships or the, the connections that I'm making to make sure that it's, one that I genuinely want to be part of in this circumstance right now. Um, and that it's not coming out of a place of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I don't know that there's anything wrong. If there is a moment of a momentary lapse and you feel insecure and you go for mm-hmm. it, like that's going to happen. People are going to yeah. do that. And that's not like I failed at non-monogamy because I went and had a hookup because Connor did or because whoever did. Right. I just, yeah. Not that I'm like here giving you permission. I just, like, I, just, I just feel like there's people listening who are like, well, it's going to happen and you're yeah. going to, you're going to feel insecure and you might feel that this person provides some reinforcement that you needed in that moment. And if you can get that, like, I don't know, good for you. Yeah. yeah. That's affirming to hear. Cause definitely, cause I definitely felt, I felt more insecure about not, yeah, definitely not upholding what I thought were like my, I guess what not my, I I don't know exactly what it was, but I definitely did feel disappointed in myself. But at the same time, I knew that I also wanted and needed to provide myself that patience to learn and explore things for myself. So that's really I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, and it definitely affirms a lot what I've been trying to tell myself. But it's harder for me to tell myself and internalize it versus having someone else say it. <laughs> Right. Well, and, and you know, I'm not exactly a, a doctor or therapist by any stretch of the imagination. So I would just, I mean, just coming from a place of like talking to a lot of different people. Yeah. And like knowing personally, like yeah, and you personal. might wind, you find yourself in a position where like maybe you're having an insecure day and somebody yeah. comes along and makes you feel really good about yourself and you go for it. And like at the end of the day, like if you weren't putting yourself in danger or harming yourself or the mm-hmm. other person, like there's really no, there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of that feeling and feeling good. And mm-hmm. even if in retrospect, you're like, yeah, you know, maybe not the best idea, but like we're going to, we're all human. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah, go no, get some. No one, no one, no one was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, have you been open with friends and family about exploring a new relationship kind of dynamic for yourself? And if so, how has that those conversations gone? So I have shared my, like, this exploration of non-monogamy with a couple of folks. I like my best friend and then a couple of other friends from school who I know 
would be either they brought it up, but not knowing that I was exploring non-monogamy or I mentioned it to them and we've engaged in really wonderful conversations about it. I think the depending on if I decide to mention to people that I was on this podcast, this might be the introduction for some of my friends <laughs> that I um, am exploring non-monogamy. But I feel at this point, I, I realize that I, um, whether or not I'm the one to initiate that conversation, if they find this, that's like, that's, that's cool. And I, um, I think it's definitely a helpful step for me personally to be able to, to want to put this out there and then if people find it, then engage in that conversation. And I also do like recognize that I think there is a level of privilege in being able to do that. I kind of put myself out there and then I don't worry about the repercussions a lot, at least in terms of like physical safety or anything like that. I don't feel that. And so I want to acknowledge that there definitely is some privilege in being able to do that. But I don't know. I, I also don't feel like it's a, at least I personally don't feel like it's a big thing for me to share with people mm-hmm. in a way to normalize this relationship dynamic. So I don't know if people find it. Hey, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And, and then in terms of my family, I, I haven't mentioned it. I, I've definitely been planning or I've definitely been trying to work out how I want to craft that conversation. And I know knowing my family, I know that they'll be accepting um, whether or not they understand that I don't, that's like their thing, but I know that they'll be accepting of it or who I am, or who I, what I'm trying to explore. But I do, I definitely have been very careful about how I frame my relationships with my family right now, because I know that I want to be in a place where I can, I feel confident in normalizing non-monogamy to the point where I can talk to my family about it and not feel like if I receive feedback that isn't like the feedback that I wanted, that I can feel confident in still feeling secure about what I'm doing, um, but also provide my own insight on, or I guess respond, respond in a way where I feel like I'm not being swayed. Right. Right. Yeah, you want to be yeah. able to back it up. Right. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And hi, Nikki's friends, if any of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for finding the show. <laughs> and with, Actually, that reminds me, I had a conversation with one of my friends from high school. He and I had not spoken for four years, I think. And we also weren't that close, but I don't know why we decided to start talking again and hanging out. And I had mentioned non-monogamy to him and that I was exploring it and that my great partner is polyamorous. And we ended up talking for two hours and he just kept asking me all these questions, absolutely enthralled with the idea of non-monogamy. And it was, I I just remembered that, but it was, it was really cool having someone who I know in a different context, but just like period knowing someone who really is interested in hearing my experience and also seemed like he wanted to potentially engage this, like engage in this relationship dynamic himself. Yeah. So it definitely, like it's definitely been super cool with the people who I do end up like talking about it with or just happen to talk about it with that. It's been really affirming. And I also appreciate that my friends, I guess people who I surround myself with, I, I know that they support me and I support them. So I know that, the people I talk to that they will try to shut it down. At least I hope not. <laughs> right. Yeah. So oh, that's amazing. So, so, so something that we, we were having a conversation with somebody last night about the younger generations and not that we say that like we're in our fifties or anything, but <laughs> yeah. that, 
was there's anything wrong with that? No, just that <laughs> the, the they made the comment that people in their teens and early twenties now mm-hmm. are basically their their view was they're going to tear down all of the outstanding relationship models and sexuality mm-hmm. sort of confines that exist and basically rewrite everything from scratch. And I guess you're sort of at that like early stages of, you know, adult life exploring relationships. Mm-hmm. Do you see like in yourself and the people around you a lot more interest or exploration of non-monogamy or different sexualities or different mm-hmm different relationship dynamics mm-hmm. than, than maybe you saw modeled even by people, you know, a couple of years before you. Excellent question. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, so in terms of non-monogamy, I, I mean, the people who, like, I mean, I, I just, again, because of COVID, I haven't had the opportunity to meet people. That'll change at the <laughs> virtual meet and greet. But the people who I have met are like our Connor's friends, and they, a lot of them are polyamorous and we're also generally all the same age, which I thought was really cool. I didn't realize <laughs> there were people my age doing this, but I think it just circumstantially, I haven't really had a lot of people in my life, both growing up in, in a community that valued monogamy and also just because of circumstances now that I just haven't had a lot of exposure or other models of like non-monogamous relationships. But that being said, I have, I guess, like, like, and I, I, I say this because it's the only thing that I've really been able to, like, c- connect it to, I guess, in my own journey is that I, uh, so I'm bisexual, and I found that, like, I've, the way that I've articulated to myself exploring non-monogamy has kind of been, like, and coming to terms with that this is something that I want to do has been, like, the way that I've been describing it is almost like a second coming out, and I definitely see, like, overlap in like the queer community and in the non-monogamous community and so that's been really cool because I also like growing up I and even now I've again whether it's through circumstance or just we all find each other a lot of my friends are queer and it's funny because in high school my friend group we all end up coming out as either gay lesbian or bisexual at some point in high school individually whether or not we were aware that the uh, like other <laughs> we're queer so I've definitely I guess in terms of building community in I don't know if like the word alternative is like if I really want to use that but I guess it's non-heterosexual and non non heteronormative. Yeah. Thank you, heteronormative conventions I feel like I definitely have like, I, I definitely do feel some parallels and have had a lot of exposure to the queer community and also just being queer and, and <laughs> having 99% of my friends also identify as queer. And I'm like, that being said, I also, I'm just really excited to when I am able to meet people that I'm hoping. And I'm also pretty confident that I'll feel that sense of affirmation and safety and security that I feel with the people who I've met in the queer community mm-hmm. with the monogamous community. Yeah. yeah, no, that's amazing. Have you, explored your bisexual side like have you dated women i haven't yeah i sigh because i've i feel like i, I feel like a running joke with a lot of my friends is that we all are trying we've all wanted to build romantic relationships with women 
but then end up dating men, which isn't a bad thing, but it's, it's just kind of funny because we all end up having the same experience of not being able to find women. <laughs> but I have had like sexual experiences with women, and I again, I'm really excited to be able to explore my sexuality further through non-monogamy. Yeah. yeah. So I, but I'm very, yeah, I'm just very excited. I have all these plans and dreams of exploring post COVID, <laughs> whether it's virtual uh, post COVID or not, I, I, I'm here for it. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the people we were talking to the other night kept calling it the great fucking, which is what oh they're calling <laughs> when, when everybody's allowed to go back out after COVID. So that's a very uh, crass term for it. But. Yeah, and that it's actually really funny that you mentioned that because Connor is very involved in like the play party scene in San Francisco, and he has mentioned that once it's safe to do so again, that he'll he would like to bring me to a couple parties, which I'm joked about <laughs> so i'm <laughs> i'm definitely been staying inside and hoping that other people do too not yeah. not only for me but also because you know, i the orgies, for, for the orgies. orgies. <laughs> and of course for you know general well-being of other people but public also the orgies yeah, yeah, yeah public health and the orgies <laughs> which i guess you know brings up the next question mm. of what like where do you see your exploration of non-monogamy going and it sounds yeah. like there's the potential for other romantic partners down the road, but that exploring it in a more, I just can't use the word casual is the PC term, but hookups or, mm-hmm. you know, sex versus having more relationship styles. And it sounds like yeah. that is also of interest to you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think one of the things that I really tried to build a framework around for myself initially when I started really explore non-monogamy and understanding its implications in my own life was to not put any, try to place any assumptions or any goals of where I want to be in terms of my relationships. I, but I think something that I do, I guess, I guess the, the way that I've definitely been seeing it is that I know that I've been putting in a lot of work in myself and in my current relationship and relationships with other people, like also like ex- not just in romantic relationships that have really helped me become a person that feels like I can kind of just exist and do what I want. And as long as I'm not hurting other people, I can kind of, yeah, again, I can kind of just exist and be okay with that. I know that building up this framework now is going to be really helpful for the future. And I'm really excited to see what I'll be like. (laughs) And I do think that, that, yeah, definitely as I navigate the different parts of myself that I'm experiencing now with school and with being in this funky life stage of being an adult, but also still kind of being a kid. And I, I definitely do know that like things will change, especially like probably in the next year or two as I graduate or as my responsibilities shift or the context of my responsibilities shift, shift and that the relationships that might come out of that or like the different opportunities that come with that. So yeah, I'm not really sure, but I'm really excited to explore those opportunities as they arise, again, using this framework that I'm really trying to build now so I can thrive in the future. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or hopefully at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, super exciting. I wanted to ask too, at, before we started recording, you mentioned that your dog was a big part of your story. Yeah. And, and I'm curious. I want to yeah. know, I want to know about your dog because he's a cutie. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he'll probably come over in a second, but so he is my, okay. So his name is Moxie and he is a seven year old Chihuahua mix. I adopted him my freshman year of college. Then he's my emotional support animal on or registered as my emotional support animal on campus. So he lives with me um, in the dorms, and he has been a tremendous help to my, or I guess he's been like a tremendous component to my journey and my mental health. And I guess it, this is more in terms of my, I guess my relationships are internally how I know that I have like a, a, an intimate connection with someone is I kind of compare, I don't know if it's a fair comparison, but I compare my relationship with Moxie and the, the depth that that has um, and the complexity that that has to the really like human, my human relationships because Moxie's my emotional support animal or not because, but in being my emotional support animal, I found that he is, or that I guess we're both very much in tune with each other's like feelings and emotions. Um, and he also carries a lot of emotional baggage and trauma of being a, um, a rescue dog who has a, an abusive past. And so I definitely have found that our really unique and special relationship that we have is something, I guess the way that the love that I have for him, again, again the context is very different. But the love that I have for him isn't one that I've, up until I met Connor, I've really felt for somebody. Or this, like, that level, like, just that depth. I, I, and again, it, it seems like it's such an intangible thing for me to be able to describe. But when I, when I feel it, I definitely, it's very clear for me. So in terms of relationships, that definitely has, like, my, my moxie meter has been really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and then... I love that term. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think also just in terms of understanding that, uh, what was it? I, I don't know. There was some kind of, I probably after we end this interview, I'll remember what it was, but I mean, another thing that I find really important too, or that I really value is that because I have Moxie and he's a big part of my life that I, and I'm, and I am currently living alone. So I take care of, like, I've always taken care of him um, and have been like his primary caretaker his mom. I don't know his mom, but that has, it has helped me internalize again, this idea of parts and that I am a student and I am my own being and I'm a dog mom and I'm all these other things and that I can honor those different parts while not feeling like I have to be perfect in all of them. So definitely just fundamentally having like the existence of someone, I mean, there's a dog, someone who is more than human in my life has helped me just better understand that I can exist in multiple ways Mm -hmm. and that well, I, of course, want to do the best that I can with Moxie and do the best for him, that the reality is, is that I will make mistakes and not mistakes with like major repercussions, but that, yeah, I can just, I can have, I can, I can be multiple things and not feel like I have to be perfect in all of them. Yeah. yeah. No, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I think one thing that I maybe wanted to get a little bit of clarity on was the, the shift when you, when you were on a dating app and you came okay. across Connor's profile and it said polyamorous that uh-huh. you, well, let's just for sake of it, you swiped right. Right. I don't know what, <laughs> yeah. what oh, I, I, swiped was. Right. I don't know. I swiped right so fast. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> 
But it, but earlier you had talked, you said, well, when non-monogamy came up, it was something that scared you. And so mm-hmm. I guess just understanding what was the flip. Yeah. What was the well, flip? What was the like polyamory swipe uh-huh. right? We're getting into this. Like you decided to go for it. Maybe it was his uh-huh. pictures. I, well, that's what I want to know. What did, he, <laughs> what did he do for you? Well, oh my God. I feel, well, I think that, well, I think the biggest thing that I have definitely understood now is it was, I think it's different. It was different in the past. Like in the past, it was different where someone had addressed, like brought up non-monogamy to me, whereas I was going in voluntarily, involving myself voluntarily, someone who was non-monogamous. And I also wasn't intending when I started like going on dating apps, like I wasn't in really intending to actually build connections, <laughs> build, at least build connections in the depth that I have been used to, or that I usually prefer. Right. As much as I love having sex and have and hooking up with people, I I knew, like I knew it was, I, I didn't I, that was not my mind. Like I, it was not my mindset to go and try to find another find a partner who I connected really well with after having a lot of unresolved things that I wanted to work on. But anyways, um, so I think it was definitely that I knew that I was going into something that I thought was like, I thought it was cool, but I also probably wasn't going to stick around for too long, and it also was not my. Like he's the one who was polyamorous, not me. So if it also, I felt more comfortable involving myself in something that felt not emotionless, that I didn't feel like I was investing as much emotional energy as I would in other relationships. But I also like didn't know him, yeah. so it that definitely there were definitely layers of security, or I guess what I thought was security in terms of um, yeah, I can do this and it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. The difference yeah. is you're going into it with that mindset versus you were in the monogamy mindset with a partner and then they said, Hey, let's change the model. And, right. Right. It's a, it's a different feel to right, it. Right. Right. So, yeah, for sure. And then, and maybe that leads into the, the question of like moving forward in your mm-hmm. exploration of non-monogamy, you know, besides the orgies, what are some <laughs> of the things that you're excited about yeah. exploring? And on the flip side, what are some of the things that maybe, are scary or you're Mm -hmm. concerned about Mm -hmm. i'm really excited to meet people who are who i'm like not in the same age bracket i'm we're not in the same age bracket i know especially from listening to your shina that there is like there are a lot of folks who are oh a lot of folks who are older than i am who are non-monogamous and i have always i mean i've always been in relationships with people who are older than i am but it'll only be like one or two years and I'm also relatively young, so I think just in terms of dating people who are older than I am, it, it's a little, the context is a little different. So I'm much newer to dating, to dating people who are like older than I am or significantly older than I am. Um, so I'm excited about that, especially just in terms of hopefully meeting and building connections with people who, like, even though we're in different life stages, that we can still connect emotionally to some capacity or at least meet each other in some way that is special. I'm also really excited, and I guess more personally, I'm excited to be able to gain more, I guess, gain more confidence and and strength in feeling secure about my own, both like my own relationships with people and feeling, yeah, feeling secure in my relationships as well as feeling secure in myself when my partners want to explore like other people or do things with other people that I can feel I guess the way that I've been describing for myself is feel more neutral about it or just like somatically feel more neutral about it or, and if not somatically, then be able to 
have the more tools to be able to mitigate my reaction, my physiological reactions, um, and to feel like I can do it in a healthy way. And I definitely in the past month have developed a lot of resources and tools to be able to help me do that. And so I'm hoping through more practice with that and really being in tune with how I'm feeling and, and yeah, just being very aware of that, that, that I can improve a lot more, kind of just be in a different place in the future. And then in terms of what I'm nervous about, I think there's, I'm definitely, even though I don't, I, I, I place this framework, I developed this mindset very early on that I want to be very patient with myself and not have a lot of expectations in my exploration of non-monogamy, I do definitely kind of worry about this abyss. Because like, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> and I definitely, I mean, now, I mean, I still definitely do worry about losing Connor. And then and, and I definitely think that I think I would, I feel with people in general. And I also know that those are, I think the, the, the fears that I have, especially around like relationship insecurity it's something that is not exclusive to nominami, but definitely like that definitely kind of plays a big component to it. So I'm, I know that that's something that I, I'm very like happy that I've been able to kind of address that in myself. And that's something that I'm concerned about in this abyss of, of my future in nominogamy. But that being said, I do know that in what I also have been trying to actively do for myself, that this will be a really helpful tool to be able to, to reflect and work on and heal those insecurities or heal those, concerns that I have yeah I think it's incredible because you know thinking about where you are in like your journey right you're on like the 0.01 yard line looking down the football field and and it's and it's not just a football field like you are there's a maybe it's a baseball field or whatever like it's you have literally the entire the the abyss like you said said, you you can go in any one of a million directions yeah or all of them, right? And that, like, the possibilities are basically infinite for you at this stage. So I can see now that I've made it seem even more overwhelming. Than <laughs> Good luck with that. But, no, just, <laughs> but like, it's a, it's an incredible place to be. But also, like, yeah, it could be a little overwhelming, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. staring in that and being like, "Well, what do I want to do?" And then you kind of have to like try it and see if you mm-hmm. liked it, and then try something else and see if yeah. you like that. And you just yeah. you're gonna it's a lot of exploring and fun and scary and all of the things. Yeah, definitely. And I think that also like just in terms of thinking, like I've definitely had a big mindset shift in thinking about my future or just like the idea of the future. I mean, I definitely do think that nominomy played a big role in this, but I up until very recently had this mindset of that I needed to have everything planned out. And I think that also, I, as like a college student, I think I definitely, especially freshman year, felt that I felt this pressure to have everything figured out, or to just run the the race, the educational race, and then start working. Yeah. Which I definitely do think is the narrative for like in general for a lot of people, or that a lot of people end up internalizing. And I also felt, I think I definitely felt a sense of constraint with my relationships where when I was in my long-term relationship, I felt like, okay, this is it. Like, <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm set, set, quote unquote, set for life. And also having like models around me where my parents met each other when they were in high school and have, and they, they've been like together ever since that I definitely felt, uh, I think 
I definitely had, yeah, it definitely was this mindset of like, I, okay, I met somebody, I'm set, and I don't really need to explore beyond this realm of comfort or whatever it is that I felt. Whereas now I, well, I definitely still struggle with that concept of having, trying to have everything figured out <laughs> um, or feeling like I need to be set in the, or perform my age in a certain way that at the same time, non-monogamy has definitely helped me kind of chill out and realize that like, and it really set in like internalize the fact that I am really, really young and that there is a lot that I can still do. And especially now knowing and reflecting on the past 22 years, like I've done a lot in 22 years. So I know that I can do a lot more with the time that I have left, which hopefully will be a lot. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, yeah. So that it definitely, that mindset, that shift, um, or it's the way, the way that I've definitely like, re, have reframed thinking about the future has been really interesting, especially within the context of like exploring non-monogamy. Yeah. 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 Do, do you have any recommendations for, well, for anybody, I was going to say like others your age, in your age bracket, but really for anybody that if they're just starting out and where they mm-hmm. should start to learn a little bit more mm-hmm. besides our podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was I was, I was, I was, but I was like, do you have other, do you have other resources? That was about, well, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I, so I didn't know where to start and it was kind of funny because I was very, this is really tangential, but I remember being super overwhelmed and, and I, I was in a state of panic, right? So I I was feeling very anxious and I didn't know where to start seeking help or where I could go, even though I definitely knew logically that there are a lot of resources. I like did, I was not in a place to be able to do that um, at that time. So I ended up taking an edible and then I had this really incredible high where I spent like three hours researching different resources and so I found your podcast (laughs) that way I also found this YouTube channel called Open Lifestyle it's a couple a non-monogamous or polyamorous couple who share their experiences with like polyamory and provide like their own insight for people who are one who want to explore non-monogamy and polyamory or who are exploring it I also during this high I I researched and reached I researched and reached out to a polyaware therapist and I I'm, I'm currently seeing her and I, I think I, I looked up like polyware therapist or something like that and then found her through that process. But all, like it wasn't like just the fact that she was polyware, but it also was that I was looking at her profile and then how she described herself. And she, I remember very vividly that she described herself as a recovering perfectionist. And so at that point that plus the fact that she is very, she honors the a diversity of, relationship dynamics I knew at that point that that was also like a really good resource for me mm-hmm. so I I, I I definitely know there are other resources and at least those are the ones for me that I found to be super helpful yeah. I tr- I started reading the ethical slut a little bit I I found it online <laughs> so I've, I started reading a little bit and I definitely like there are other resources out there that I do want to explore and sink my teeth into a little yeah. more but your pod, like I, I, I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, but your podcast has been like a tremendous resource for me, and I also mentioned that in the email. But I think it's it's helpful hearing. I think it's one thing to have someone tell you, or like, like to like explain non-monogamy or polyamory, like the concepts more objectively, or kind of just having it as it is. 
versus having someone share their experience and really build and really develop a connection with somebody, even if it's just like through audio. Like I definitely resonate with that a lot more. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, we're, we're flattered. So thank you. (laughs) And I really wasn't trying to get at that. I was curious about the other resources, like like the use of the YouTube channel and those, and it's awesome that you found the therapist too. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think, you know, not to pile onto your anxiety about standing and staring into the abyss of all of the infinite possibilities, but that maybe the, the takeaway would be that, you know, there's what 140 ish different stories on the, on the podcast and that mm-hmm. everybody does a little different and yeah. that there's not one right way to do it that yeah like whatever way you carve out for yourself will ultimately be your right way yeah so hopefully that is somewhat it can change that's like that's the biggest thing all of us continue to grow and change throughout our lives and what you thought one week and felt one week isn't the same as you might necessarily think or feel a month later so yeah absolutely and i've definitely found that hearing the different sort of thing obviously not everyone's experience resonates with me, but just knowing that there are like, there's, as you said, there's no right way to practice non-monogamy has been very helpful on like a very like personal level, just in terms of, again, with like the perfectionist tendencies of knowing that I don't have to perform or do any, or practice it in a certain way or hold myself to a certain standard that I make up. Like it can really kind of be whatever I feel is comfortable and healthy for me. Yeah, exactly. No, it's fantastic. And I think there's probably, I was going to use the term boomer, but I will try not to be <laughs> but there's, there's some people of older generations listening, thinking like, damn, I wish I was as forward thinking when I was 20 or 22 uh, and not having waited till I was in my thirties, forties, fifties, sixties to start, to start exploring this. So I imagine you are striking up some envious feelings and people that are listening. So well done on that. And obviously there's nothing wrong with them having, you know, finding it when they found it, but it's just, I imagine that the, again, the generations coming up now, it is going to be a lot more part of the conversation, the conversation Mm -hmm. and that, you know, you telling, you telling your friends that you're non-monogamous or, I mean, honestly, even coming out in high school Mm -hmm. when we, you know, 15 years ago when we were in high school, I mean, partly this was because where we lived, there wasn't a whole lot of diversity, but definitely people weren't really coming out. And mm-hmm. so, you know, times are coming along and our uh, our podcast might be obsolete pretty soon if it <laughs> becomes normalized, right? <laughs> yeah, and I There's I think, always more stories. That's true. Yeah, that's so true. And also I think something that is really helpful now is that, I mean, I people wouldn't be able to find the like, reach this podcast if it weren't for like the internet um and i definitely do feel that at least the people who i see you know i'm like i'm very embarrassed to say that i watch tiktok like nobody's business <laughs> but i found that that is such an interesting platform as well as other, like youtube and other like platforms online that uh, where people can really share their experiences and you can find, I haven't found community on TikTok or anything personally, just because that's not what I'm in. I'm not there for that. But I do know that there are, like, people have been able to build community in online spaces, much as, like, you have developed <laughs> for your podcast. But that especially for, like, my generation and, and we're all 
at least I, the people who I know are very like technology oriented or use that's a big component of their life. But that like that definitely has been like a really helpful way to or medium to like build community and to learn more and hear of people's experiences through these different mediums. Right. Yeah. Right. No, of course. Yeah, for sure. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share in your notes that <laughs> look yeah. at did, did we, hit did all we cover everything points? in your notes? <laughs> so there actually is something that I, what I, I was talking to Connor yesterday about this and I'm still trying to figure it out. And I think I say this because I, I it's something that I think about a lot. Um, and I do think that it, it is an important component to the conversation is it's a little bit of a, I'll get to, I'll get to what I'm like, the point of what I'm trying to say. It's a little bit of a, um, an excursion, but so something that I've noticed throughout like my life as like an Asian Pacific Island woman who is also presents very young and I'm also bisexual and I don't, I don't think you can see, but I also have a lot of tattoos that in like in American, I don't know if like American, I guess American culture, like through a lot of like the stereotyping and fetishization of Asian women that I present as someone who is very kinky and very, or I guess like all the implications that come with having tattoos and being female and being Asian. And I found that that has really informed a lot of what I find, like I guess where my boundaries are in the people who I interact with and who I feel safe with. And I found not, not, I don't want to rule this out completely because there is a possibility that perhaps someone will change my mind. But from my experience, I found that I'm just fundamentally unsafe with straight cis men. And that, again, that's not always like, I, I know that that won't always be the case, but just in terms of my experiences, I found that that's always been, I struggle to find an instance where I am intimate with someone where I don't feel like I'm being fetishized for my intersecting identities, especially ones that kind of all intersect with fetishization, and exotification and, this idea of being kinky or whatever, which in itself, the kinkiness, like they'll figure that out afterwards. But it's, yeah, so I definitely felt this. I, I think something that I was really n- nervous about in getting involved in or get like participating in this relationship dynamic was that I could potentially open myself up to feeling less safe. Just because just, I guess by, in theory, if I like introduce myself to more people, then, yeah, so I had brought this up with Connor more as a question of like with the people who you've interacted with in the past, how have they been um, in terms of like, being aware of like the, 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 the racial dynamics or gender dynamics that can come into play in relationships and in the, or, or in non-monogamous relationships or just whatever relationship it is that those still exist. And from his experience, at least he's been, he said that, and I think the part that I'm still trying to understand and articulate for myself is, Generally speaking, at least from what I remember, he said that because there's a level of digging that he felt like he had to do, that people that he's met have had to do to be part of the polyamorous and non-monogamous community where you already are confronted with, at least growing up in America, American conventions and and power dynamics in relationships that the different intersecting or just different identities or different like intersections of non-monogamy and polyamory and race or whatever, or different identities have like, are, like in, come into play and while I haven't had again haven't had many experiences with people who are non-monogamous yet he had assured me that there I mean again it exists like fetishization will exist everywhere but that at least the people that he's 
net and um, the people who the communities that he's been a part of that there is an understanding that those power dynamics in relationships historically have existed and still exist and that people are aware and, and are mindful of that in themselves and with other people so it's I think I bring this up because I feel like it definitely was something that I think about a lot and also just like the implications of my identity and it being hypersexualized on many levels. <laughs> and then this added component of non-monogamy and how that could, op- again, potentially open me up for feeling more unsafe, which I'm so glad it hasn't yet, but and I hope it right. doesn't. But yeah, so that's definitely something I just wanted to address because I do like it definitely is like really important to me again with like the sense of safety that I found with Connor and with like the queer community and with hopefully (laughs) the non-monogamous community as well. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for bringing that up. That's a extremely important point and very well articulated. Yeah. And I think the, the thing that maybe where that fear is you kind of expressed was coming from is that in, even in the confines of monogamy, you sometimes felt that fetishization or that hypersexualization. And then you take and level layer on there that oftentimes, or maybe not oftentimes, but there are times when people hear, Oh, you're non-monogamous. Well, that just means you're, you're down to fuck. And that's what you're here for. Mm -hmm. And you take that and you compound it on top of the already sort of objectification you felt Mm -hmm. that it, it could be really an uncomfortable feeling for you. And I think that's, yeah. yeah, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So, well, we 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 appreciate you sharing yes, that. Okay, sure. thank you. We, we hope that you find that that's not the case in the non-monogamous community, but and um, that there will always be, like you said, there will it'll always be a possibility, and there will always be right. outliers. But that hopefully, yeah. as a as a whole, that the community is more aware and in tune and respectful of that dynamic. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you. And I also know that if I, even if I aren't, am not for what, like, unfortunately I'm not able to find it in my immediate community that I know that there are other communities out there that I can meet and get involved with. So I feel like I definitely have a lot more patience or I feel like I'm coming in with a lot more patience because I also know that I'm exploring things myself and, and am here to grow. So yeah, I definitely do feel a lot more willing to take the time to not, I don't take the time to to, pe- like, to deal with people who are racist, but I definitely will take the time to be willing to explore the communities that I feel that, that resonate with me the most and where I feel the most safe. And Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you for sharing that again and for sharing everything that you've shared with us. We're, I think, you know, I say this often, but we're really excited to have Nikki come back on as... <laughs> 20, 24 year old Nikki and 26 year old Nikki and see like, where in the abyss are you? Are you just like, I've done everything. I'm currently at a, you know, an orgy and there's whatever. Yeah. I'm excited too. I, I, and I can't wait to listen to this podcast, like this episode when I'm older and just all of the knowledge and all the experience that I have then I don't, I like, I, I know I'm just going to be like, tackling up a storm like hearing what i'm saying now (laughs) (laughs) you always have to be able to laugh at yourself because you can really think one thing one like one moment and then look look back and be like what was i talking about that's okay that's okay yeah Um, Yeah, i'm glad i've never done that but (laughs) i've heard rumors of other people so Again, thank you so much. Yes, it was wonderful so meeting you, you. Uh, wonderful chatting with you, and it will be wonderful to hear an update. You know, when you're when COVID lets you get out, and 
see what really works for you. Cause I think yeah. that's a really exciting place. It's sort of like your, uh, I think back to like the cartoons when the, the cartoons like trying to run and his <laughs> feet are like winding up and you're just like stuck winding up. And as soon as COVID's over, you're going to take off. And I feel like so many people are like that right now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I joke with people like, I'm just excited to get out of my little hamster ball, my hamster yeah. wheel. Just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, have a wonderful night. Thank, Thank you again. You. And please, please keep in touch. Yes, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Have a great night. Thank you. Too. Take care. And we're back. Take, take four. four. Oh, wow. We're, to- we're going to do the whole thing in no. sync. No, it do you want to finish each other's sentences? sentences? <laughs> Thank you, Nikki, for putting up with our bullshit and for reaching out and coming on the show. show. More importantly. <laughs> I knew that one was coming. You're just waiting. Just yeah, waiting. Yeah. No, seriously, though. Thank you, Nikki. We're excited to be able to, to share your story as it is today and to hopefully be able to track it uh, as you progress through the abyss. Yeah. And maybe it won't just be an abyss. Maybe it'll be a beautiful journey. Yes. Well, let's hope so. Well, I mean, I'm I'm hopeful. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you. Thank you again. And one quick reminder to go check out Alt Playground, our sponsor for the show. You can head over straight to their website, altplayground.net, or get there through our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And it's one of the greatest places, if not the best damn place on the internet to meet other open-minded and non-monogamous people. If you go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, you can also find links to the show notes for every episode under the podcast tab, and also under our resources tab, all of our favorite resources. Included in these resources are links to stdcheck.com. Now, if you want to go get tested, as we all should, for STIs, we really encourage you to go use that link. You get $10 off your panel, and it does support the show. And we're not just throwing this out there willy-nilly. No, we actually use the service. This is how we get tested for STIs regularly. We love it. It's super fast. It's super easy. And we can't stress enough how great of a service it is. So check that out. And again, as Emma said, it supports the show and it supports your two favorite podcasters. Yep. So thank you for that. Next week. What do we got next week? We got our first thruple. Woohoo! We're, sy- we're, we're totally synced today. Yes. We have Mel, Ra, and Tom who are coming on the show. We're super pumped. Yeah. It's a great interview. They're great people. It's super fun. We hope you come back next week and enjoy that one as much as we did. And until then, have a great week. Yeah, we'll see you in a week. Thanks so much for listening.